Section 8 of The Visits of Elizabeth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Visits of Elizabeth by Eleanor Glynn. Hotel Frascati, Havre. Sunday, 21st August. Dearest Mamma, I am sorry our nice voyage is nearly finished, for we go over to Trouville this evening, and from there by train back to Vinant. The river is not nearly so pretty after you leave Caudebec, but Tancaville is fine, and it looks very imposing sitting up so high. The Vicomte has been talking to me all the time, but Jean stays by. We were dusty and sunburnt by the time we got to Havre, and Héloise and the Marquise and I started at once for the big baths. They do not quite join the hotel, so we covered a good deal of absence in the way of dress by our faithful Mackintoshes and trotted across. On the steps we met Tournelle, just coming out from the baths. He laughed when he saw us, and said he had never before realized that garments of so much respectability could have such possibilities. Oh, how nice to have a real bath again! Agnes hasn't enjoyed this trip much, I can see. Heaven knows where she has slept. I thought it wiser not to ask. We had such a gay dinner. I am getting accustomed to shouting across the table at every one. It will feel quite queer just talking to one's neighbour when I get back to England. The restaurant at Frascati isn't at all bad, and it was agreeable to have proper food again. Hippolyte thinks we are awfully greedy. He was heard yesterday grumbling to the baron's maid. Mais où diable est-ce que cette dame m'étend tout ce qu'elle mangeant? Elle gobletant toute la journée. After dinner, we drank our coffee on the terrace and listened to the band. Héloise would hardly speak to Antoine all day, but he looked perfectly miserable, and Madame de Vermandoise every now and then laughed to herself. I don't know what at. However, we took a walk on the pier presently, and as there was such a crowd, we weren't able to walk all together as usual, but had to go two and two. Antoine walked with Héloise, and I suppose they made it up. I just caught this. N'oubliez jamais, bien chère madame, qu'une église a deux portes. Héloise said she would not forget, and he thanked her rapturously, but what it meant I don't know. They have both smiled often since, so I expect it is some French idiom for reconciliation. The crowd on the pier was common, and we returned to Frascati's garden. It was so fearfully hot that beyond wondering if the dew was falling, no one suggested we should get cold as they always do. It really has been a delightful trip, and I have enjoyed it so. They are all charming. They seem to have kinder hearts than some of the people at Naseby. But what strikes one as quite different is that everyone is witty. They are making epigrams so clever to news de presse all the time, and don't seem to talk of the teeny-weeny things we do in England. They have most exquisite manners and extraordinarily unpleasant personal habits, like eating and coughing and picking their teeth, etc. But they do have nice underclothes and lovely soaps and scents and things. The Frascati beds were comfortable, and I could not wake in the morning in spite of Agnes fussing about. The Vicomte has awakened every one each day by rapping at their doors, but this morning I was at last aroused by Héloise, who had the next room, and we had our coffee together. She says she does hope soon to get Victorine married, 
and that they have a nephew of the Barons in view. But he has not seen her yet. It appears it is easier to get them off if they are quiet-looking and dowdy, but not so aggressive as Victorine. You haven't much chance if you are very pretty and lively. As she says, the men only like you to be that when you're married to someone else. Heloise wishes to have everything smart as the Tournelles have, but Godmamma and Victorine are always the gangster. She says life there is forever eating galette de blomped, which I suppose means a suet pudding feeling. We all went to high mass at eleven. It was very pretty, and such a good-looking priest handed the bag. I should hate to be a priest, shouldn't you, Mamma? You mayn't even look at anyone nice. We breakfasted at Frascati, but we were a little bit gloomy at our trip being over. This afternoon they have nearly all gone for a drive in hired motor cars, but I haven't a hat here that would stay on, so I'm writing to you instead, and we cross over to Trouville at five o'clock in the ordinary boat, as it is too rough for the Sauterelle. Goodbye, dear Mamma, your affectionate daughter, Elizabeth. P.S. I forgot to tell you the story of the Côte de Deux Amants. You know the fearfully straight, steep hill we have often noticed from the train if you go to Paris from Dieppe. Well, Hippolyte told us the story when we passed it. It's quite close from the river, and looks as if it had been cut with a knife. It is so steep. It appears that in the Middle Ages there was a castle on the top, and there lived a Comte who had a tremendously stout daughter. He said no one should have her and her fortune unless he was strong enough to carry her from the bottom to the top of the hill. Hundred stride. It was a beauty then to be fat, but everyone dropped her halfway, and the poor thing got très fatiguée d'être plantée comme ça, when a handsome cavalier came along, and he succeeded. His snorts of out-of-breathness could be heard for miles, but he got her to the top and then fell dead at her feet. And she went into a convent and died. Hippolyte said also that the other ending of the story was that she got so thin from pining for the night that the next one who came along had no difficulty, and so they married and lived happily ever after. But I like the tragic end best, and he said that the peasants still declare they can hear the night wheezing on moonlight nights, but Antoine said it was probably a traction engine. And I don't think it nice of him. Do you, Mamma? End of section 8